Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best internet minds in the business. Now, here is your host, internet brand strategist, Sandra Beck. Hey, guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio. And I'm here today with Scott Lopez. Now, this guy's near and dear to my heart. He's a Marine. He's an entrepreneur. He's got a lot of great ideas. And one of the things I like about him is that he did not come from wealth. And I didn't come from wealth either. I could have married a chicken farmer, been, you know, hanging out on the lake till I was 105, or I could move to California and live the California dream. And one of the things that affected me was... I landed in Beverly Hills and, you know, who would know that I would meet some of the richest and most influential people in the world and they inspired me to be more, to think more, to do more, to have more. And that wasn't just in the areas of money and wealth acquisition, but also for the power of what I could do with that money. And that wasn't something that I was ever exposed to, you know, growing up in farmland. So, I'm not putting farmers down. I think they're great. They're amazing people. We all have to eat, but not everybody is designed to pick corn. I certainly wasn't. Now, I'm going to introduce Scott Lopez and have you a little bit, tell us a little bit about your background. And Scott Lopez, take it away. Very nice to meet you. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, you know, my parents uh, divorced at a very uh, when I was very early age. I was uh, two and a half years old. Uh, I grew up with my mom in uh, Northern California in the Bay Area. Uh, San Francisco. My dad lived in New Mexico. And, uh, you know, she traveled a lot, uh, moved around a lot. I was uh, the new kid often at school. We were, uh, she worked really hard. Um, you know, she was uh, on welfare for a time. We were on food stamps, uh, kind of a poverty lifestyle. And, uh, you know, as a little kid going to multiple schools and being uh, new, it, it was it was a challenge. It was tough. And it kind of messed with my psyche a little bit, right? And so I also was not really exposed to uh, uh, the wealth mindset or uh, Newport Beach or Beverly Hills or uh, Upper Manhattan or, uh, you know, any of those, um, uh, you know, uh, environments or, or thought process or, or, or kids. I definitely wasn't the popular kid. I was a nice kid, but I wasn't the popular kid. So that kind of messed with my mindset and, and what I could do and what I couldn't do in life. I was just happy to be around and, you know, uh, play tag and, uh, you know, go uh, do flag football and, you know, Little League and stuff like that. It was, uh, it, it was you know, a little challenging, you know, growing up. Well, I think so much of our identity is formed, you know, by our circumstances, at least initially. You know, if I wanted to do anything, Scott, I had to keep up with my brothers. You know, if they were playing ice hockey, I had to be in goal. Like, <laughs> you know, I would always take whatever grunt position there was because it meant that I could participate. And so I had this mindset that my value came from what I could do. If I just worked harder, if I tried harder, if I just gave more than the next guy, that became my value and that became my mindset. And when I started learning and being exposed to the world at Northwestern and and then moving out here to West LA, I, I was kind of struck by the concept of like, you know, you don't have to kill yourself to, to make a buck. You can actually make a lot more money and work a lot less if you adjust some things. Because I just had that like, you know, bulldog mentality that I just had to push and push and push and work so hard. And, it, you know, if I didn't work hard, I wasn't going to be successful. But that really is not at all true. It's part of success. I think is hard work, of course, is part of success. Sure. But it's not the whole thing. 
So a uh, lot of different points to talk about right there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I, um, I think growing up, you know, my family for the most part was blue collar um, and nothing wrong with blue collar, more technical uh, nine to fivers, uh, factory workers, um, you know, uh, technicians. And I was actually from between my mom and my dad, I was the first one to graduate from college. And, you know, that was a big deal for me and a big, you know, a big deal for them, a huge accomplishment. But I also felt kind of like you, I didn't want to be just blue collar. I knew there was more out there in the world and I wanted to figure out how could I go do it? How could I, how, how could I be more than what I was? Um, what helped me, and this is really kind of the American dream, you know, a kid who was on welfare, um, you know, as, as a youngster, I actually joined the military. Uh, I joined the military um, as an enlisted Navy guy and was able to compete for a Naval ROTC scholarship from the enlisted ranks. And mind you, this is, a, this is at the time when Top Gun came out, and I'd always wanted to be a pilot. Um, and I'd always look up in the sky and go to air shows and see jets flying over. Um, wanted to be a, uh, I actually tried to join the Air Force when I was in junior high school. <laughs> they said, wait till you graduate high school. Um, but I enlisted to, uh, to to get ahead and get the GI Bill. And, you know, I think it just, it, it goes to the point of working hard is important, but working smart is just as important. Um, you know, uh, the network marketing community is huge when they talk about leverage, right? So we can work our tail off uh, 80 hours a week at, at $10 an hour, $15 an hour, $20 an hour, or we can leverage our time, build a business and have other people working for us and, you know, really make, you know, mega wealth. Um, one of the, one of the things that really um, struck me, I want to hit on two concepts for everybody here. I don't want to meander too much, but two concepts. One is I use the military to get ahead. I graduated um, from the university of New Mexico, Naval ROTC, became a Marine Corps officer. I was served for 10 years, I was an F-18 fighter pilot, and I was a public affairs officer, and that really set me up well for life. Um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I ended up uh, not going to the airlines. I went and got an MBA at a, at a top school, and I've had a pretty uh, successful corporate as well as entrepreneurial career now living in Newport Beach. That being said, um, I used the Marine Corps as a way to get ahead, and that still pays dividends for me today as a person, the discipline. It's good on the resume. It builds respect. It builds credibility. So everybody who's out there, this is what I did. This is my journey. But there's a way to do it here in the U.S., right, here in our, in our country, which, which truly we are the land of opportunity. But here's another thing I want to share with everybody. If you look at two people, imagine, imagine this in your mind. We have two identical people sitting or standing right in front of you, man and woman or man and man and woman and woman. doesn't matter. One of them, you can't tell the difference. One of them makes $50,000 a year. The other one makes $500,000 a year. But you can't tell the difference. So you look at the two people, st uh, you know, standing side by side. It's like, how does one person make five hundred and the other one makes fifty? So you would think, is the one who's making five hundred thousand dollars a year are they working ten times harder? Back to your point. Well, they may be working twice as hard, maybe even three times as hard, but they're not working ten times harder. It's impossible. There's just not enough time of the week. You say, are the person who's making five hundred thousand dollars are they uh, ten times more educated? Right. This is a big common misperception. I need to go to school. I need to get a degree. I need to get a master's. I need to get a Ph.D. I'm going to make more money. Well, if I was more educated than college professors uh, would be multi multimillionaires and they're not. So the person they make a good living, but they're not, you know, multi multimillionaires. But the person making five hundred thousand dollars a year, they're not 10 times more educated. It's impossible. So are they 10 times as smart? 
probably twice as smart, <laughs> maybe even three times, but not 10 times. So here's the point. What are they doing? Well, it's subtle differences in mindset, right? It's their habit patterns are a little bit different. They hang around with different people. They protect their consciousness, right? They, um, they, they work a little bit smarter and different, and they uh, do the extra things that the masses don't do. Just enough on a consistent basis. A lot of people call this the winning edge, the competitive edge, uh, mental toughness. Top, there's, there's, there's all kinds of terms for it, but it really it is just subtle changes in mindset in a cumulative way make the difference. Well, and that's, what I, and that's what I learned over time. Yeah, because we all have the same 24 hours in the day. You get up, I get up, we have 24 hours. What do we do with those 24 hours? They have to be doing something better than I'm doing if they're creating more wealth in the same, you know, all things being different the same amount of time. So I've been studying personal development and uh, for years, for years and years and years, ever since I was, you know, a teenager in, um, you know, reading Tony Robbins and, um, you know, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, love all of that. But the best book I ever found was a book called uh, Psychological Foundations of Success. It's a fairly obscure book, actually. But this guy, Dr. Stephen J. Krause, he's a uh, psychiatrist, mm -hmm. professional uh, from Harvard. And he did a research study where he said um, he studied all of these uh, uh, successful people. And successful people, top 1%, the ones who are making the 500,000 or 500 million, they, uh, they've been studied every which way under the sun, the multiple, uh, you know, millionaires. And what he found out when he looked at all of these thousands of studies and they correlated the data, this is the data, not the, you know, uh, you know, you can do it, you can do it self, self-motivation, self-help, but the actual data, what science says, there's a formula that, that emerged and we'll, I'll briefly talk about it because I know we got, we're coming up to commercial break, but here's the thing, the successful people who make the top money, they have a vision for their life. They have an action plan, so they actually do something. They overcome their fears, their fears of insecurity, fear of uh, uh, um, what other people are going to think. They persevere no matter what. They're very resilient, and they, they learn their lessons and they make mistakes. So they're not repeating the same things over and over. That's what it was. They're not 10 times more educated. Mm -hmm. They're not 10 times more attractive or um, you know, working harder, but they're doing those five things. So we could talk about that in, you know, uh, what do you do differently? Like, do you, you've probably had a vision for your life, you know, forever. Well, I, I do. And I, you know, what I do differently is I think I'm the world's greatest detective with success because success leaves clues. So what I do differently, I think than majority of the people is I want to know what makes like, like you, I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what your best practices are, because maybe that's something I can adopt. And if you always stay in the position of the student with respect to learning the success clues, I think you can amplify and increase your success over time. I mean, Scott, I, had a lot of money I had everything you could imagine and then it all collapsed and you know I won't get into why but I had to build it back again and what I did was I built it back smarter because of what I learned the first time but also from asking questions and I think if you ask me one thing that I do I ask a lot of questions well I'm gonna tell you what you do you persevere yes because <laughs> you persevere I mean when you actually lost everything and had to rebuild. I just saw you right now and you, your body language, your face, because we're here in the studio together. You actually, it was like, of course I'm going to rebuild. 
right? Of course, I'm going to rebuild. And that's the actual number one quality of success is perseverance. It's the number one more than anything else. It's perseverance. And you know how to persevere. I do know how to persevere. And one of the things we're going to talk about when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about some of these these success strategies, the strategic thinking, these choices that we make every day to create the life we want, to create the wealth we want, and how to bounce back. I think resiliency, big, big topic. We'll be back after the break. ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Whenever we hear a recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Scott Lopez, and we're talking about the secrets of success. I mean, there are some people that that are more successful than others, and it's not by magic, it's not by fluke, especially if it's sustaining success or rebounding from success. Because resiliency, Scott, I think you had to learn that in the Marine Corps. I mean, if you're not resilient in the Marine Corps, you're done. You know, it's uh, accomplish the mission, mm-hmm. right? That's what we say in the Marine Corps. No matter what, improvise, adapt, overcome, accomplish the mission. Things are going to get tough. Um, so just knowing that failure is not an option. And even when you don't get the results that you want, it's still not a failure. 
you should have been able to pick up something where you got a lesson learned. I mean, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu at a competitive high level, and I'm at the mindset now where um, even if I get tapped out, um, I'll tell you this, in competitions, in tournaments, in front of thousands of people, I've been submitted, I've been tapped out. I even got put to sleep once in the last year and a half. That was really Did embarrassing. You get knocked out or put it to wasn't, sleep? It wasn't. I got put to sleep because a guy got me in a pretty uh, good chokehold, and I thought I could get out of it. I said, oh, I, I, I didn't realize how, how strong he was, and he actually cut off my carotids, and I actually went down. I was winning the fight, and he put me to sleep. Super embarrassing. So I could like really give myself a hard time and be down on myself and you know collapse, or I could say, well, here's what I got to do to make sure that doesn't happen again, lesson learned. And you just keep going. So it's that resiliency when things don't work out. Um, and, and the Marine Corps is the same way, right? The Marine Corps is the same way. And for everybody who's out here, whether you know your personal relationships don't work out or your business relationships don't work out or just life in general, you know things are going to happen. How do you deal with it and how do you move forward? Well, it's funny. I don't I don't generally like the word failure. I think it has a lot of negative connotation to people. I mean, it, it conjures up like the big red F, you know, on a on a paper in high school. But to me, failure is just a different outcome. You know, it's a different outcome. It's an outcome that we didn't didn't expect. Like you didn't expect to be put in put to sleep, you know, it's Did, an outcome. I definitely didn't expect that. You know, the only caveat to that would be and, and this is where I think successful people who are happy and fulfilled and who are in abundance and taking self-responsibility, the outcome is, did you do everything that you could have done to make a good outcome? And if it still didn't work out, well, then okay, then let's, you know, but if you didn't do everything, if you were not honest, if you were not prepared, if you were not in integrity, well, then that's something that you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and hold yourself accountable. So I think um, self-accountability, self-responsibility is absolutely critical to any level of happiness, abundance, and success in life. Well, and that's that's some that's in alignment with some of the you know I do a lot of work, Scott, in the divorced community, and you know I tell women, women always ask me, and men too, like how do you know when to pull the trigger? How do you know when to file for divorce? And I'm like, you file when you've done everything you know how to do, everything that's in your power. So that when you pull the plug on a family or you pull the plug on a company, you know, when you pull the plug on something, you want to be able to sleep at night. You want to know that that you did everything possible to make a certain outcome. And if it isn't, then you can walk away in peace because peace, there's a price for peace and peace is underrated, especially in the entrepreneurial process. Because if you're carrying baggage forward in an entrepreneurial uh, scenario, it's like trying to run uphill with a bag of rocks. Just, just being honest, right? Being honest with yourself and going back to peace and happiness. So what do people want? Ultimately, we just want to be happy. Right. And I've heard people say, well, what do people want? They want more and they want better. Well, I think it, I think people just want happiness. And uh, what that is for each person is different. So I think just that self-honesty, that self-reflection, um, having that level of consciousness, um, you know, knowing that you don't know something, to, these are all kind of big, heady concepts, but I think it's, it's important so you know who you are, um, be, be aware, be conscious, and then you can start putting together the action plans and the visions and start moving forward in life and your goals and the checklists and, you know, all the habits of highly successful people. But I think it's that self-honesty that where, is where it starts. 
Well, yeah, because if you're not honest with yourself and, you know, that's like Scott and I have been talking about a lot of concepts today and they're high concepts. They're big concepts. People write books about just one of these concepts. But if you listen to yourself, if you listen to your like, I have this thing, I do my head check, heart check, gut check. And when somebody says something and it it hits a thorn or like hits a nail and you're like, you know. And if you pay attention to those little signs, like when I'm not honest with myself, if I'm listening to a speaker or I'm listening to a show where somebody's talking about personal honesty and responsibility, I know that that's going to strike a chord in me. And as an entrepreneur, you're often alone. You know, you're working alone. You're you're self-driven. You know, you don't have a boss or you don't have deadlines. Maybe you have client deadlines, but you really have to be in tune with yourself and you know, these concepts that we're talking about, Scott, they are personal and you have to shut up and listen to what your body, your mind, your spirit are telling you, because when you're dishonest, you know it. Well, you, you can't hide from yourself. Again, I'll go back to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu analogy. When you're on the mat, uh, you can't hide from <laughs> you can't hide on the mat. Either you uh, are prepared and you know your stuff or you're going to get taken out. It's pretty realistic and brutal in that way. And it's uh, empowering and liberating in that way as well. So, you know, it's it's, it's a, a sports or or whether you do yoga or CrossFit or, or, or I don't know. What, slam ball. Whatever you, slam yeah, ball. whatever you do, either you're prepared <laughs> or you're not. And you're going to get the results. The, the, the results don't lie. Um, and, you know, that's definitely something you can take away um, off the mat or out of your sport. One thing that I did, I did a couple things uh, in my life that, that I'd want to share with the listeners. One is, and I learned this from Brian Tracy. Um, early on in my 20s, I went to a couple of his mastermind seminars, actually became friends with Brian. Uh, Study the successful habits. Model what's already been done. Follow the recipe for success, and you're going to get the same results. Mm -hmm. I did that. I followed what he said. um, A a lot of his teachings, and I did get similar results. Um, Another thing that I've done, uh, because I – I speak a lot on wealth mindset. Well, where do I live? Well, I live in Newport Beach, California, which is the second largest concentration of wealth in the country and one of the top five in the world. I mean, we, there's so much money in Newport Beach, even more money there than there is in Beverly Hills. Number one, actually, is Silicon Valley. The reason I work there and live there is because I want to be around wealthy people, not from a materialistic perspective, but I want to know and, and, and have some of that energy rub off on me. And, and how I think, uh, my habit patterns, um, the, how I how they think about business, um, you know, it's it's something that if, if I'm in that environment, probably a lot more chance of success for me personally, as opposed to living, you know, in Boise, Idaho, and nothing against Boise, Idaho, but it's not Newport or just maybe some rural town in in in, uh, in, in northern New Mexico or or wherever. Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I, and again, this, this, we're not being derogatory. I'm just saying. Put yourself in an environment that's going to set you up for success. Lastly, um, birds of a feather flock together. Watch out who your relationships are. Are you around positive, self-responsible people that are achieving and going somewhere in life or who have already gone somewhere? You know, uh, I'd rather be the dumbest guy in the room or the least successful person in the room because I want to learn from the most successful top quality performers, the happy, the happy achievers. Or are you around a bunch of negativity? You know, so understanding your surroundings is really important. It's really, really important. And, well, and, and, and wealthy people protect their consciousness and who they hang around with a lot. I mean, they just don't let anybody into the club. And it's not so much, um, I don't know if they're being conceited or arrogant 
Um, it may look that way, but they know how important it is to be around uh, like-minded people that are going in the same direction that they want to go. Well, here, Scott, like, you know, I, I was raised in a in a very rural community, and my mom was almost a nun. And there was a phrase that, that I learned as a little girl. It's in the Bible. It says, always protect your heart. I get that. Okay, that's in life. But when I started studying success, I found that people who had a solid wealth mentality, people who had a lot of abundance in different areas of their life, they had this kind of overriding, always protect your mindset. And so I would see these people in, like, I remember this guy, he, he leased, I won't give his name, but he leases jets to third world countries. Like, that's his job. And here I was all excited. You know, I got a cousin who's a pilot. Ooh, that's great. This guy leases jets. And he would, whenever people would come in and they would, would you know, kind of criticize or become negative, whatever, I would watch this guy maneuver the conversation or he'd leave. Like if he couldn't bring it back and he told me one time, he's like, Sam, you know what? Your he didn't use the word mindset, but essentially your mindset is everything. If you, you know, I forget who said if you what the mind can can believe it can achieve. And so that mindset of of staying where you need to be to be successful is the very same thing the Bible teaches us about always guard your heart. Always guide your guard your mindset, always guard your heart. I think you'll be okay. Um, you definitely have a greater chance of success for sure. Um, there's another thing that's very interesting. Uh, Tony Robbins uh, calls this, I think it's called the feedback loop or it's the, it's basically your thoughts drive your emotions, your emotions drive your actions, your actions drive your results. And this loop goes round and round and round and round. So thoughts drive emotions and emotions are kind of the gateway to your subconscious and all the programming that we have in our perceptions and our values. If you're not getting the results that you want, well, start backing up, start backing up and start looking at the emotions that you have about things and start looking at the thoughts. Um, and it just, it's, it's a perpetual loop. And so what do successful people do? Well, they have the right kind of habits. They write down lists and goals. They, you know, they, they, they look at who they want to be emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, right? They, they, they embody that. And then they take action. They take massive action, right? Uh, Brian Tracy would say, is what I'm doing right now in this moment like you and I are doing this interview and people are going to listen to this at a later date, is what you're doing right now taking you in the direction that you want to go in life or are you goofing off? And only you know. Only only you know. Well, and goofing off is important. I think it's important for us to blow off steam, but I have a thing called money hours. I'm not going to goof off in my money hours. Those are my hours that I am going to make money. And I don't want to spend 24 hours in the day making money. I want to spend four or six maybe making money. Right. So let's talk about after the break a little bit about the balance of, of kind of like the, you know, they call it work-life balance, which isn't really a balance. I think it's a work-life continual shift. Um, but I also want to talk after we uh, come back from break about that surrounding yourself with the right people, because there's all sorts of reasons people have to shoot down your good ideas to, to, you know, put a pin right in that, you know, self-esteem balloon when you're trying something new, because when you're an entrepreneur and you're creating and you're growing, you need to put yourself in that environment. And Scott and I, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about that environment. And what does that look like? We'll be back after the break.
get nervous riding in an elevator because you're afraid the cable might snap? It's entered my mind more than once. According to Elevator World magazine, on the rare occasion a cable breaks, the car won't hunge plunge to the bottom. This is because elevators have as many as 10 cables holding them up, each capable of supporting a fully loaded car. Sometimes I feel a little mischievous in elevators. Next time you're feeling like a rapscallion, try one of these little jokes. When there's only one other person in the elevator, tap them on the shoulder and then pretend it wasn't you. Push one of the buttons and pretend it gave you a shock. Or maybe start a sing-along. What's a word for a person who thinks he's funny but no one else does? Vitzel soup. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Now that the children are back in school, a new dilemma arises. What do you feed them for afternoon snacks? This truly is a quandary, but one that can be solved with a little planning. The key is to have healthy snacks that taste good on hand at your house. Don't buy food that you don't want your kids to eat. Forego buying store-made cookies and chips since you don't want your children to eat those. Instead, have fresh fruit and delicious cheeses with multi-green crackers waiting for them when they get home from school. Grapes, yogurt, whole wheat bagels, and low-fat string cheese are delicious and nutritious. It's protein and fiber-rich snacks that help everyone feel satisfied and full until dinner. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and Coach Talk Radio, and we're visiting today with Scott Lopez. And we're going to talk about the people you surround yourself with. Now, Scott, in my life, I've been surrounded by people who may not have my best interest in heart. And there's all sorts of reasons that people can shoot down your dreams, shoot down your ideas. It could be they're jealous. It could be they're insecure. It could be that you trying your best can bring them into a feeling of laziness. I don't want to do that. And who does she think she is? And when I work really hard, sometimes people get mad at me because they don't want to work hard and then I make them look bad. And all this stuff is their stuff. It's not my stuff. But it comes out in little subtle ways. And I go back to my head check, heart check, gut check, because some people can look at you, shake your hand, smile, and it sounds like they're complimenting you, but it's really an insult because you feel that like, ooh, inside. And so... In order to be successful, I have to surround myself with people I trust. I have to surround myself with people who, when I come with a new idea, Scott, will not shoot me full of holes right out of the block. That's uh, that's a tough one, right? Because I think growing up, um, you know, let's just, let's let's step back at a really high level. Um, I'm going to put your put your example and in, in what you've experienced to, aside for a second. When we look at society in general, and you look at the haves and the have-nots, we see something that's happening um, at a pretty dramatic pace, and it's the rich are getting richer. And uh, you know, there's this whole concept of let's um, uh, let's demonize the rich, 
You know, let's, let's tax them more. I mean, Seattle, uh, Washington just tried to pass another tax, the city itself against rich people. I mean, it's like, how dare them be so successful? And, and for me, the rich or the wealthy or the super wealthy, the top 1% are a, uh, there's kind of like two groups. There's the ones that have earned it themselves, which I respect. And then there's the ones that may be generation two or generation three that haven't earned it. If they haven't earned it, they probably don't have the same mindset or the same beliefs of an entrepreneur or somebody who's out there, you know, swinging and fighting and hooking and jabbing, as they would say all the time. But society in general forgets one thing, and it's this. There is an unlimited amount of opportunity and ability to make money. For whatever reason, a smaller group of people have a lot of it, but that doesn't mean that you can't go get it. It doesn't mean that I can't go get it. It means that, you know, the the, the market's going to pay you uh what you're worth and the value that you bring to your customers or your clients or your or your business. That's that's the reality. So when we talk about dreams and hopes, well we're talking to coaches and teachers and family members and ministers and college professors and well-meaning people that 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 that, that really uh, are trying to impart knowledge, but they don't have this mindset that we're talking about. So when you open up your dreams about I want to go be a millionaire, I want to go be um a CEO, I want to be a senator, I want to be a governor, I want to be uh, a gold medalist, you know, I want to be top 1%. A lot of people don't have the perspective of that. So you need to be aware, all of us need to be aware that in general, I think it's fairly safe to assume, and this is maybe a little bit cynical, but it's what I've learned, that don't expect people to support you at a certain age. Don't. Um, what you do expect is when Look, watch, evaluate uh, somebody who's done something similar to what you want to do. Like you said earlier, success leaves, you leaves know, clues. it leaves the clues. So you and I, um, we have a chemistry uh, based on business. Mm-hmm. I, I knew immediately when I first, you know, uh, was introduced to you a couple months ago that, hey, there's a woman who's doing what I there's a professional person, a professional woman that's doing what I want to do. Uh, our, our values are in alignment. We should probably have good chemistry in terms of being able to work together and build a relationship uh, based on you know alignment and shared values. That's probably a good critical thinking way to look at talking to somebody about your dreams and hopes. You don't open up to somebody until you actually know that there's an alignment because I think people will sabotage you, right? People will uh, get jealous or work against you. What was considered, you know, youthful exuberance and enthusiasm in maybe your 20s and 30s needs to be a little bit more tempered and uh, thoughtful um, when you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. And I think it's, you know, results and actions, not words, that really, you know, make the difference. So before I open up to somebody, I'm going to really evaluate the situation first and who they are. On a spiritual level that we talked about today, mm-hmm. I'm going to like see if I can connect with them on a heart level. I'm going to show some heart to them. And if, and, and there's the way I'm not going to get in, this is not a spiritual show, but I am going to show a little bit of heart to this person. And if it comes back to me, well, then I have, a, a, you know, I'm starting to build trust and relationship. But if it doesn't, then I'm not going to open up about my dreams and my goals. And because uh, I don't I, I don't want issues with people that that's that's what I've learned. Right. And I think, you know, it might be a masculine feminine thing, but, you know, I'm, I'm a very conflict avoidant person. Um, so I don't like conflict. I know some people thrive on conflict. And one of the things that's hard for me, and I know it's a lot of the women that I've coached over the years, is that 
our feelings get hurt. You know, when we're trying to develop something new, and this is something that, you know, no matter what, Scott, at the end of the day, I can be a successful entrepreneur, I can be tough and and strong and all these things. But when you're creating something as an entrepreneur, it's like a little baby. And the baby is tender and the baby is small. And I don't know if it's this way for men. I, 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 I don't know. I'm not a man. But when I have a idea in its nucleus stage, it's like a little baby and I need to protect it and I need to grow it and I'll only let people hold it who I trust. And it's the same thing, baby, new idea, because somebody who's having a bad day can run over me and I think a lot of people and take my bad idea like you ran over the baby on the street and kill it before it had a chance to grow because ideas need time to grow. Ideas need time to flourish. And not all of us came out of the block with really great self-defenses in that area. I'm very tender when I come up with my new ideas, so I have to really keep them safe until I can hand them over to somebody I trust. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree completely. I don't, I don't, I, I'm in complete agreement with you there. I would also just add that um, there are experts, subject matter experts that you can reach out to to get advice and best practices um, when you are growing a new business idea or you're trying to move forward on something. Uh, the internet, YouTube has more information at your fingertips within the, you know within 15 to 20 seconds than you could ever possibly imagine. So I think there's a lot of things that a person can do to get uh, research done, to explore ideas, uh, but in the formative stages, unless you absolutely know you have somebody who's a cheerleader that who who has your back, keep it to yourself. Just keep it to yourself. It's um, it's I think it's actually a uh, an emotionally uh, intelligent way to do to to do business. Um, just keep it to yourself. I think so. I think so because you know in the idea formation process of, you know, what might be the next greatest success, sometimes there's patterns and histories we can look at and go, okay, this this is following a certain pattern, it's okay. Well, you know, I've been in tech for 20 years, so some of the stuff I create has never existed before in human history. So I find myself reaching around in other industries looking for patterns, looking for clues, looking for a direction. But at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to come up with this. And that's a very vulnerable process. And I don't think a lot of people talk about the vulnerable aspect of an entrepreneur. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, results and actions speak louder than words. And so if you're making um, as an investor, right, one of the things that I'm always looking for is uh, to put money into a company is is their momentum. Are they hitting their milestones? Are they hitting their debt? You know, are they are they are they achieving their goals? Uh and the goals don't have to be huge, knock it out of the park goals, but it could be, well, we formed our business. We, um, you know, we, we, we hired a bunch of uh, consultants. We put together a prototype. Here's the business plan. We, you know, launched a, a trial, a pilot program, mm-hmm. a trial. Uh, we proved the concept. We got some customers. We made some money. Now I'm asking for some investment. Well, that's a great time to open up to people. Maybe you know some other uh, entrepreneurs or some other investors who have been successful, and kind of get their thoughts and their feedback. You know, as you're as you're as you're moving forward. But I think it's it's a it's a fine balance of taking an idea, reaching for the stars, pragmatically putting together a plan and executing on the plan. It goes back to our success, right? That that, that success formula, just for everyone's the uh, review. Have a vision for what you want to do. 
take massive action. Learn from your mistakes. Persevere and overcome your fears, right? Overcome your fears. And one of the big fears that we have in life, and it stops most people's dreams, is approval addiction, caring what people think. Parents, coaches, bosses, siblings, boyfriends, girlfriends, and husbands, wives. Sometimes you just got to keep it to yourself. I mean, it's nice if people like you. It's preferred that way, but it's not necessary. What's necessary is for you to execute and move forward and get and build that team around you. Well, and I think, uh, Scott, what do you think is, you know, like we're going to talk about fears in the, in the next segment. And the show is going so fast. But, you know, can you share with us just what was one fear that you had? I mean, you're Mr. Fighter Pilot, Joe, Marine, you know, MBA, all these things. Do, did you have a fear when you were growing up or now? Um, was I good enough? Was I good enough is the fear. And, um, you know, uh, being able to compete at the highest levels with the best people, was I good enough? And was I worthy and deserving? And I think that goes from probably being on welfare as a kid and moving around to different schools all the time, you know, and uh, not being popular at first, uh, being on the outside. So it kind of messed with the kid's psyche. So I've actually had to deal with that uh, a lot in my life. Well, see, and what I love about that is here you are like, you know, the embodiment of success, the embodiment of masculinity, you know, in your chosen career, your career path and your experience. And you are able to be open and vulnerable and share with people what is one of your fears. And I encourage everybody listening today to examine these fears, not to be afraid of them. And like, you know, shame lives in darkness. You want to pull it out of the darkness and and give it a beating, which we're going to do in the fourth segment. We're going to talk about these fears. Now, if you like today's show and you enjoyed listening to Scott and you enjoyed listening to me, you can find out more on coachtalkradioshow.com. You can also go to iTunes. Now, Scott, where can we listen to your show? Uh, DisruptiveInvestorRadio.com, launching September 26, 2017. Uh, we'll be doing a show on artificial intelligence, talking to some amazing entrepreneurs that are changing the world, as well as the investors that invest in those companies. You won't want to miss it because AI is a big deal, and uh, people need to know what, what it means to them. That's awesome. I look forward to listening. We'll be back after the break with Sandra Beck and Scott Lopez on Coach Talk Radio. Get a kick out of the warning labels companies attach to prevent lawsuits from the hooky-crooky of this world. A warning label on a dishwasher cautioned not to put any person in the unit. Speaking of dishwashers, one product warning on a television remote control read, not dishwasher safe. That's too bad because we know how dirty the remote control gets. In fact, we press the buttons even harder when we know the battery is dead. What are we, part of the ridiculati? A warning on a baby stroller read, remove child before folding. Here's one for the blunderbusses and poppin' jays among us. A label on a letter opener read, safety goggles recommended. 
call me snarky, but any society that needs this many disclaimers has too many lawyers, pedophagers, and snollygosters. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Ah, the good old days. A hundred years ago, the average life expectancy was 47 years. More than 95% of all births occurred at home, and only 14% of U.S. homes had a bathtub. Most women only wash their hair once a month and use borax or egg yolks for a shampoo. Of course, eggs were a mere 14 cents a dozen. 100 years ago, only 8% of homes had a telephone, beginning a century of telewagging. A hundred years ago, there were only 8,000 cars registered in the U.S. and just 144 miles of paved roads. The average wage in the U.S. was 22 cents an hour. What's a word for the pathological yearning for the good old days? Hesternophobia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. It's all mine. Taking care of business. Working overtime. Taking care of business. Hey, guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Scott Lopez. And Scott, what was that radio show we want to listen to? You want to listen to DisruptiveInvestorRadio.com. It's going to be every Tuesday at 4 Pacific, uh, 5 Mountain, 6 Central, 7 Eastern. There, wow, that's impressive. That? <laughs> Nobody, we don't have a dyslexic among us, do we? Um, we're going to talk this fourth segment about fear because I found that when I was in my 20s, Scott, I taught at USC. I worked at Disney and CBS. All these big like alphabet soup companies, IBM, that people were like, ooh, she must be somebody. And I traded on that because it it fulfilled, I was no longer the little sister that had to keep up. So it fulfilled all these things in me. Well, then I get married and I've got, you know, two houses, four cars, like everything anybody could want, but it all came crashing down. And when it all came crashing down, Scott, all of my fears came and I kind of walked around in this fear bubble for a while because it was also my first big failure. Like I didn't have a series of failures to to get skills from. I always thought I can do it. I can work hard. My family was behind me 100%. So when I had my first failure and they, it was a epic catastrophic failure. I lost my business in the divorce. I went through a foreclosure. My mom died, who's been my biggest champion. And I was there on the ground going, okay, now what? And all of my fears came in. And I actually had to have that battle of fear to get myself back and kind of slay each dragon one by one. So was it fear or was it adversity? I don't know what the difference is. Mm. I think if you get into a car crash, is that fear or is it adversity? It's, it's how you handle the it's how you handle the situation, how you how you frame it. I think. Oh, I went into the turtle for a while. There I, you I go. Like pulled my feet and pulled my. I hit it. In no, the I get it. I know. I get it. I totally get it. And uh, you, again, as we talked about earlier, you are successful and you are accomplished, and you have a lot more to achieve in this lifetime because you persevere. It's the number one success quality, uh, especially of high. Uh, performing and, and achieving people such as yourself. Do you acquire perseverance or do you learn it? Like, are you born as a baby born persevering? Uh, and it's on a, on a survival level. Absolutely. You know, I mean, try to kill a baby. It's really hard to do. <laughs> 
They survive. They're tough. <laughs> How about that? Coach Talk Radio, the baby killer, <laughs> Scott Lopez. Okay. We'll no, be no. Back after the break. The, well, no, the, the, no, I mean, you know, when you go to the ICU and you find sick kids who are little, sick little babies, they have a life force and, and a survival instinct that is, is unparalleled. Um, and you can talk to the nurses that work in ICUs about that. That's kind of what I was where I was going with that. Um, fear, in my mind, the majority of it is just, you know, false evidence appearing real. You know, what are the things that are going to actually kill you and take you out? You know what's going to kill you? A bear. A bear is probably going to kill you. Um, you know, what's not going to kill you? Speaking in front of a live audience. You know, getting up and, and talking in front, of, in front of people. That's not going to kill you. That's an adolescent fear. Right? What's going to kill you? A snake, a car, um, you know, maybe a gunshot. Those are, you know, being in the war zone. Those are things that you have to worry about. What's not going to kill you? Thinking about what other people think. Right? So I think the critical thinking aspect of is tomorrow going to come? Is the next day going to happen? Am I still here? Am I alive? Yes, you are. And if, you, if that is your reality, no matter what adversity you faced, then you have optimism and you have a chance and you have hope. And that's really what anybody needs to get ahead. That's all you can actually ask for, right? So these fears that we have, approval addiction, and actually approval addiction, again, thinking what coaches, girlfriends, uh, uh, society, bosses, uh, family, boyfriends, husbands, your kids, caring what they think stops more people than almost anything out there. Even high-performing, highly intelligent, educated people are stopped in their tracks because some programming they have that is inconsistent with actually their true potential. Well, I, I want to talk about programming because here you've got Catholic girl, Catholic school. You know, she's supposed to be the nice girl. She's supposed to. And, you know, a lot of times people will mistake my kindness for weakness. and They don't realize, like, you know, how tenacious I can be but that tenacity especially as a woman especially as a um you know a woman who wants to get married have kids all these things you know that's not something people go ooh I really like that girl cuz she's tenacious ooh I really like that girl cuz she's tough i mean some people do but culturally it's not the way women are raised now you're a man you're different and there are gender differences in what is acceptable in in the business world too? I found that out the hard way. So I'll you know me personally. I've I'm in in my life. I've been in two different uh, cultures that have been uh, very um, focused on performance under pressure, mental toughness, get the job done. One was the Marine Corps for ten years, and the Marine Corps actually is probably one of the ultimate um, cults in a good way. It's a, it's it's a it's an ethical cult, uh, ethical brainwashing. You know, the changes that are made to civilians and they become Marines or students and they become officers is life changing in a good way. Right. Service, honor, duty, uh, discipline, um, perform under pressure, get the job done. These are things that are highly valued in society. And the Marine Corps changed me as a kid uh, in a positive way that I'm still able to use today. The other one, uh, again, protecting our consciousness because I've been out of the Marine Corps for quite a while is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's a warrior class. I mean, it is a place to exercise your warrior spirit and perform under pressure. And if I want to, I've been doing it for eight and a half years and I competed at a very high level. If I want to do better in the sport and perform and get the black belt eventually, um, then I've got to put in the time. I've got to go through the adversity. I've got to, got to pay my dues and, and, and learn from the top people and, and surround myself with quality, positive uh, um, individuals. 
that um, that know how to win in uh, with grace in in class and know how to to lose with grace in class. So I've made an active choice on uh, for me personally to be around good quality people, and that helps me with my fears because I do f- face fearful situations. But now I know that I can handle it, and I know the next day is going to come, and the next match is going to come, and if I lose the customer, the next customer is going to come, right? You know, if if uh, somebody drifts out of my life, people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Tomorrow's still going to come, so we can continue. It's this. It's it's a we persevere again. Having this perseverance, this resilient mindset, I think is the most positive way to live your life. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean that there's n- who knows what's in store for us tomorrow. But I know I'm going to be able to survive it unless I'm taken out. And if I'm taken out, then it won't matter anyway. Right, right. Well, and, you know, the one thing, Scott, you know, we talked about, you know, with respect to fear is, you know, I want to combine two of our high concepts we talked about today, the importance of having the right people around you and the management of fear. And, you know, when when I was in my rebuilding stage in the last eight years, the um, my buddies who are Marines, they came to my aid and they told me to get up and fight. They call, told me to stop whining, stop crying. You're not the first one to go through this. Then they also told me, look, you're tough, you're strong, you can do ev- anything. And these were the messages that I was getting. And so when I would get up every day, um, and I'll say, first, Sergeant Hoffman, you're the greatest. I would get up and he would say, I am the shit. And he would say, you, Sandra, you say that every morning when you get up and you don't worry about it and you just focus on what you can do. You're going to be mission focused. What are you going to do today and get it done? That was what was filling my head. Not like, oh, I'm so sorry your mom died. Oh, I'm so sorry your husband left you. Oh, I'm so sorry you went through a foreclosure. There was a time and a place for that. But the one thing that busted me out of my funk, out of my self-pity stage, you know, when I went into the turtle, was good, solid friends with good, solid advice, and I borrowed their strength until I found my own. And should that happen to you again, you have your own strength to draw upon. That's it. You know, you've, you've been there, done that. So you have that, that inner strength uh, and, uh, and, and confidence. You know, there's a, there's a saying we have in jiu-jitsu, um, respect everyone, fear no one. I think this is an important concept. Uh, just because I don't have any fear doesn't mean I'm going to put my hand into a flame. It doesn't mean I'm going to be reckless. You know, I'm going to respect the situation, but I'm going to respect it with with a with a quiet confidence that no matter what happens, I'll be okay. So I'll, I'll either get the win, I'll get a positive outcome, or I'll learn something. So there is no there is no failure at all. Well, see, and I like to take fear, Scott, and I like to transmute it because fear to me is an energy. And I know there's like, you know, lots of all false evidence appearing real, all these great things about fear. But fear is also at a base, an energy that we feel. We feel fear. So if you can transmute that fear, like I like to take that fear like you were a fighter jet. I'd like to put it right into the engine, put it right into the jet to make it go faster. And I think in the management of fear, we can use that fear energy to propel us to greatness. I know There was a time for like three years, I got up every morning afraid. I had two little kids. I'm 3,000 miles away from my family. What are you going to do today, Beck? And I'd start feeling that fear and it'd start rising up in my chest. And I'm like, I could have eat. I could have drank. I could have slept. I could have whined and cried. But I went to work. And I also studied martial arts. I went to my Krav Maga class and I studied that discipline and I found an outlet for that energy because fear does affect our bodies and it exists and it's real. Uh, it is, but it doesn't need to be paralyzing. It can be used. You, you can leverage fear. Um, from a business perspective, as you were speaking, one of the things that, that jumped into my mind was uh, the power of networking. 
right? Network, network, network. So if something happens, if if there's a if there's a if there's a huge displacement in your life, uh, again, personal or professional, what's going to help you is going to be that community, uh, that professional community that you've built, that personal uh, network that you have. So get out there and develop relationships um, with uh, potential employers, with potential customers, with competitors, with better friends. No matter what happens, you have people to call. Right, people that you know and trust, get that network out there because the more people that you know, the more successful in life you're going to be. But something happens over time as you get known um, in your in your sphere, in your community, people begin to know you and start searching you out. So I would tell everybody who's hearing this, network, network, network. You know, Don't be closed off from society because when things do go uh, out of alignment, uh, you're going to have opportunities to reach out ask for a referral, ask for a resource, ask for advice, ask for something, and guess what? It's going to show up. Well, absolutely, it's going to show up. And, you know, we talk a lot about teamwork in the business industry, and one of the things that I'm going to leave you with is the idea of building your own success team. That was something that I learned from Sergeant Hoff, first Sergeant Hoffman, sorry to bust you, um, that I learned that you have to have a success team. you got to have teams in life. You can't do it alone. There's going to be times when you need to lean on somebody, when there's times that you have an overabundance of of whatever it is, and you can give it to somebody else. But when you have your success team in place and you can count on them, you can do just about anything. I'm here today with Scott Lopez, Disruptive Investor Di- Radio. DisruptiveInvestorRadio.com. <laughs> Every Tuesday at 4 Pacific, <laughs> five, 5 Mountain, 6 Central, and 7 Eastern. We'll be back again next week with more from Coach Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.